Good evening, everyone. Welcome to today's meditation session. Let's spend the next hour together exploring the mind. It's not your mind, not my mind, but the mind. It's a session to meditate, and uh, many people join this session via whereby the online meeting platform, and also people are watching this via YouTube Live. No matter where you are from, where you are, let's share this time space to sit together, to look at the mind carefully quietly to understand something. It's not to understand it's not to understand something from what I said, but to understand it from what you have observed on your mind. Today is a Wednesday. I think it's a working day for most people. No matter what you're doing, I guess everyone's busy in their own way. So by now, the day is almost over. And it's time for us to come down. So before we start the session, let's keep silent for three minutes. During these three minutes, you can just focus on the breath to walk out of thoughts and come back to breath time and time again. Or you can simply reflect how many moments of the day you were not present carried away by thoughts, all kinds of stories running in the head. Just notice it, acknowledge it, but don't judge it. After this remaining silence, let's come back to start today's session.
What is meditation? It is always a question for each of us. The content of meditation is too much, way too much. And we couldn't find a way to describe it properly. We try to, but no matter how hard we are trying to, we can only cover at most a few aspects of the life, which is the meditation. People know that meditation leads to peace and joy. That seems to be the general impression people have about meditation. But looking closely, we may find that where there is a meditation, there is a battle. A battle, yes. A battle between focusing on the content of the thought and the focus on the mental actions behind the thoughts. Those two focuses are very different from each other, as you may feel already in your life. To be able to focus on the mental actions of behind thoughts, that's the awareness of the thoughts. To be able to aware all kinds of mental actions like judging, comparison, exclusion, and so on. Why this is a battle? For most people's life, the content of the thoughts matters more than anything else. Look at this whole world. Isn't it the consequence of all kinds of content from thoughts? We so care about the thoughts, the content of it. We try to use all, all kinds of content of the thoughts to fill in life, to make it not so empty. At the same time, we also try our best to avoid some content of the thoughts, hopefully to reduce the sufferings because of the content of the thoughts. This controversy in handling the thoughts make a life a struggle.
and for different content of the thoughts, the people have different reactions. Then, thoughts divide people. Look at your standards of finding friends in the past. Probably, no, you are not thinking this way. It is easy to resort to the content of thoughts to define friends or non-friends, right? Or we should have similar thinking, enjoy similar content of the thoughts. Then we can stay together to be friends. As time goes by, the content of thoughts is changing. The, the reaction to the content of thoughts is also changing. So, friends are changing because of this. The community is changing because of this. We value the content of thoughts too much because we have such an illusion that we can find peace, find security from thoughts. Hopefully we can train the mind in a way to react to thoughts to some contents of thoughts in this way or that way. So that reaction leads to some calm or peace, as we can imagine. So this kind of way of thinking, which is the mental action behind it, which most people rarely notice. Give some space, a lot of space to culture, tradition. For many people, they talk a lot about inheritance from generation to generation about all kinds of traditions. making it very true. At least sounds very true. Wow, here is a tradition and we need to inherit it. Because following the tradition can give us a sense of security, psychologically. Also the culture, right? The culture, we share some common imaginations, some common illusions. And people stay together geographically in a city, in a town. And by daily interaction in one way or another, this kind of a culture is re-enhanced. So similar neuron paths is re-enhanced across 
many heads. This gives people a sense of certainty. Though they are only thoughts, illusions. Because they are illusions, thoughts from the mental activities of neurons, it is vulnerable. It is easy to be polluted by any new ideas. So there's some kind of a regional or national self-defense to defend the traditions, the cultures. And then what have, has happened? Division, hatred, even war in the past. As we said just a few minutes ago, thoughts, because the content of thoughts we carry, we care about so much, thoughts divide people, divide the world. Have we, have we noticed that? Why can we inherit so many things? Ideas, the habits of thinking, even the way of life from the past, from the ancestors. Is there a real inheritance at all? If I give you this stuff to you, then you say, okay, you inherited this from me. So before I own this, now you own this because you have already inherited it from me. What is, what is inheritance? Is that a true thing? I don't know the name, so... What is inheritance? Isn't it a, an idea? A pure idea. When I say I own this, that ownership is an idea, right? Because I want to relate, relate this to me, and that relationship is a concept. And I pass it on to you, and you have it. So you also think, oh yeah, this part now began to relate to me, to you. It's become another concept, 
continuing from me to you, then the inheritance happens. What about DNA? And uh, for example, when you see a baby in the family that really reminds you someone else, or that they come, different babies come with different personalities when they are very, very little. So why this is happening? Oh, that's a good question about the DNA, the biological stuff, which delivers a lot of uh, nonsense, to be honest. Our research about DNA is very, very preliminary, but there's a lot of, you know, all kinds of unvalidated opinions from the scientific community to pollute the, the, the general world. It's difficult to say whether the personality is inherited from DNA or not. It's very difficult to say. I personally, I doubt it. But indeed, there's some resemblance between the child and the family and the parents due to DNA. So from his or her face, one looks familiar, similar to one's parents. It's, isn't it easy for us to relate this to the personality stuff? There's no, no solid evidence to support this. And it's easy for us as a human being to associate this with that, which again, back in the domain of thinking, Association is also a mental action. And we rarely notice. And uh, you may find that as a human being, we have abused this mental action a lot. We have mistakenly associated too many things in a way to mislead ourselves. Like the personality stuff, it is a very complicated thing. For me, personally, The personality, the personality of me in the past, maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, was very different from now. Even in the past two years, my personality has gone through a lot of change. What is personality? You know, in the Western 
research of the psychology. They have the local dimensions to define personality. That's one way of doing that. But when we look at the mind, look at the neuron cells, the neuron paths, everything is so changeable. Look at our reactions to thoughts. Look at the reactions has played a such important role in the, form, in the formation of the personality. And after you know, so, so many years of research in that community of the psychology, they also tend to believe that the personality is so changeable. It's, it's so changeable. And the defining personality only creates a division. You know, in many social societies, you know, people living in the thoughts to be consistent. So this kind of a way of living, which is of course twisted, leads to maintenance, some kind of personality. But that's not normal. It's fun of a twisted mind. If our mind is not twisted, it's really set free from all kinds of thoughts. You may find that people are so changeable. Um, sorry, Siko, could you repeat the last sentence again, please? Yes. So, actually, I, 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 really, I really forget what I was talking about in the last sentence. Let, let me try to rec uh, recall it. <laughs> um, you mentioned that people stick uh, to their idea of their own personality and um, because they believe in the concept of personality and then it becomes more or less true that people have some personality while in fact personality is very uh, subject to change uh, throughout through the years uh, but what you mentioned after that was not quite clear for me so after that so the people's you know, personality is so changeable when the mind is not twisted because you know the neurons keep you, you say the mind is not twisted, is that right? Twisted, Did you say, or twisted, yeah, twisted or distorted. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. thank you. You're welcome. So, if the mind is not distorted, you know, you see that people don't you know, uh, make effort to be consistent without any end. The mind is very changeable, very responsive to the environment, to the inner world.
Instead, in the opposite, people have the idea to be consistent in order to be secure psychologically. This kind of a chaotic, the chaos of the mental actions running through the head, renders that personality very limited. So it's not to deny this concept, but we really need to question it. Because as you, as everybody feels, it is so changeable, the personality. It's so dynamic. And when you decide to walk out of thoughts, try to free yourself from all the reactions to thoughts, I think probably it is more is important to question this concept. So back to the question, to the question of inheritance. You see, what we mean inheritance is the ideas passed on from one person to another person, from one generation to another generation. Um, Siko, uh, sorry, may I interrupt? Um, is that what you could call education or uh, upbringing that people are raised in a certain cultural way? And if this is a proper uh, kind of um, um, education, um, you can... Uh, second thoughts about this and that. And, but it is an active process. So in fact, inheritance um, as a kind of automatic um, mechanism doesn't exist because it is an, the, yeah, the, the by volition, your own act. Yes, I think um, Bob has given a very good explanation on this. Thanks, Bob. So, Look at the inheritance. It's pure in the domain of thoughts. And uh, when people is very young, I just as Bob said, you know, the upbringing, the education, has you know, has transferred this part secretly into people's mind until one grows up and decided to turn inward to look at this. What we call inheritance is a mere the combination of all kinds of influences and habits running through the head.
we think in this way, we think in that way. Just pure because habits. And when, it's, when it is unexamined, it is running subconsciously. Talking about subconscious and conscious, there's a difficulty here because the language. We define something as conscious, something as subconscious. It creates a division which might you know, blocks us from understanding it a little more. No matter what is called conscious in the psychological world or subconscious, isn't it the content of the consciousness? We pick up all those habits, all kinds of inferences, and then running through the head, forming the subconsciousness. And when you realize something, that part becomes something you are conscious of. So no matter what is called conscious or subconscious, they are all belong to the consciousness. So the tradition or culture, which is actually a name for the, the collective psyche of the humans is still something about thinking thoughts, the content of thoughts. Um, could it be that maybe you, uh, because you react to unconscious thoughts by automatically accepting them, that even before you were aware that these thoughts uh, um, occur, um, that you automatically um, react to it, and therefore it uh, does not come to your um, consciousness, so that you can decide what you think about it, or. Uh, yeah, how, how to say, that, that you just view it as a thought which goes by and uh, to which you don't have to react. Uh, thank you for providing such a, a perspective in describing this kind of a mental behaviors. Yes, we react too fast, right? When the minds have those thoughts, mental loops running there, we react too fast. We, we rarely realize that we are reacting. And it seems that if we take action immediately, actually, it's just the consequence of the reacting to some thoughts. 
some assumptions. So that's why we meditate, right? To meditate is to observe all kinds of mental activities running on the mind. To understand the reaction to all kinds of thoughts. Which part of life is based on thoughts? In a word, meditation is a process to slow down your mental activities. So one could watch it, observe it. The very observance is the only way actually, to understand the mind. Not by some theories. Views. Just observe it. Observe your mental activities without being interested in the content of the thoughts. So, in this regard, we can say that it can be a challenge for many people to be disinterested in the content of thoughts, which leads to the challenge during the breath meditation. People can get carried by thoughts. Not to avoid thoughts, but just be carried by thoughts. Because this interest is still there. When we couldn't negate the function of thoughts psychologically, it means that we still have the illusion to derive some pleasure from thoughts. That very interest is a disturbance for the meditation practice, but also for your life. Because this interest, one is so easy to be into thoughts, right? And that the trouble between one and thoughts is continuing. Sorry, <laughs> your last sentence skipped me. Uh, the division between the self and the thoughts, or the trouble, the trouble between one and the thought, is still continuing. 
Okay, thank you. So before we start the second half of the session, it's time to meditate together. No matter you are an experienced meditator or you are just new to this practice, this is only one form of doing meditation. You can also find your own activities as meditation. But the breath meditation is easy for most people. Well, of course, this is my opinion. You can try it to validate whether it is true or not. During this meditation, we focus on the breath, which is a sensation, not a thought. So during this meditation, try your best to focus on the thought, sorry, focus on the sensation of the breath. Nothing is more important than breath. To feel it. So when the thoughts pop up, ignore it. Don't interact with it. Negate the content of the thoughts. But if you are carried away by thoughts, unfortunately, don't worry about that. Don't judge yourself. Just take actions. That is to come back to breath time and time again. So now let's follow the audio guide together to meditate in the next 10 minutes. Then after that, come back to the session. Now, let's take a 10-minute meditation. Start by taking a moment to find a comfortable position to sit in a posture that you feel relaxed and get alert. Let hands rest on your knees or laps. Let the eyes close gently. Soften your forehead. Act a soft smile in the corner of your lips. Breathe naturally. As you breathe in, be aware that you are breathing in. Feel the sensation of breathing in. The region can be the nostrils, can be the belly, can be anywhere. Focus on the part you feel most. 
as you breathe out, be aware that you are breathing out. Feel the sensation of breathing out. The region can be the nostrils, can be the belly, can be anywhere. Focus on the part you feel most. Fix your attention on the breath. Let go of any thought, words, images. This moment, nothing is more important than breath. While you are listening to the bell, check where your attention is. If it wasn't on the breath, after the bell, gently invite your attention back to the breath, and sustain your attention on the breath.
slowly bring your awareness back to this room. Feel into your body. Wiggle your fingers and toes. When you are ready, open your eyes. I hope everybody has a good time in the past 10 minutes meditating, walking out of thoughts, the counterweight back to this moment. When one gets involved in the content of the thoughts, one has reactions to the thoughts. Thoughts is very muddy, it's very sticky. And this chaotic process takes place in this way. Intuitively, People want to find order from thoughts so people can feel happy, joyful, and peaceful. Culture, traditions, also all kinds of faith in the past, also now, in the hope of regulating thoughts. Because we still have the illusion that we could find order from thoughts. But after you meditate, after you observe the mind, you may find that this is a sheer imagination, illusion. There's no order at all from thought. Only disorder. Look at the content of thoughts, like the tradition, the culture, even some research, some opinions about the DNA, whatever. Also, a lot of discussion about inheritance. It's easy for this to re-enhance the concept of those illusions on the mind because we are still within the consciousness to thinking about something. 
thinking is always limited, always limited. But the life. Your inner mind is immeasurable, beyond any limitations. When the thoughts is not there to constrain the mind, so when one is really free from thoughts. One is free from traditions, free from the mental construct, from those traditions. That freedom brings all order. Freedom first, right? Then there is an order. But if we are trapped in thoughts, the content of thoughts, unfortunately, there's no freedom at all. Because thoughts, because we we are enjoying different content of thoughts, and we are divided by thoughts. You like some thoughts which I don't like. Then antagonism happens. I have a question, Siko. What do you mean exactly by mental actions? Is labeling the thoughts, or what? What are exactly mental actions? Oh, that's a very good question from Anna. What is mental actions? Mental actions can be very diverse. I can try to give some examples. Like we try to associate something with with something else. That association is mental action. When we try to compare ourselves to other people, or compare something to other things, that very comparing is a mental action. When we try to give some views or judgments based on nowhere, that very judgment or the action to give a view is a mental action. When we try to distinguish or try to exclude someone or something from others, this is also a mental action. And when we try to be grateful, to Express the gratitude. This is also a mental action. I hope I hope these examples can 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 help you to 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 imagine other mental actions. So, the content. Of the thoughts, I think everybody knows that, right? All kinds of content, but different 
thoughts have different contents, but have very similar mental actions behind it. Right? Different thoughts looks very different from content, but have similar have similar mental actions behind it. Probably judging, dividing, exclusion, whatever. So to be realized or to be aware of thoughts for us is to notice the mental actions behind it, to deeply feel the consequence of misuse, misusing some mental actions, like being judgmental. We give too many views based on nowhere. Look at how these views divide ourselves, creating all kinds of mental conflicts. We can also notice how valuable it is to be grateful. Siko, uh, a trick question. Observing your own mind, is that an action too? A tricky question, maybe. Uh, <laughs> indeed, it's a trick question because the language, right? And, you know, when we, when we try to describe the mind by language, the language creates its own conflicts in a way, just as Bob mentions. So intuitively, from, from the understanding of the mind, the observance of the mind is not in the same league of the mental actions behind the thoughts. This observance of the mind is to understand the totality of the mind, which is you know, made up of all kinds of awareness, of all kinds of mental actions. So I would say you can think, yes, it is a mental action. You can think it's not, it doesn't matter. If you focus on the thinking or the idea of the observance of the mind, and then it becomes a content of a thought. But if you practice to observe your mind at each moment, then it becomes an action. It's similar to emptiness, right? It's easy for people to focus on the idea of being empty. Then the emptiness becomes the content of the thought. Then we can be attached to it. 
that very attachment to the thought leads to nihilism. Right? Because, oh yeah, everything's meaningless. It's, it's empty. But if you feel empty, realize empty, which is not to be attached to the idea of being empty. That very awareness is the mental action you can take to empathy the consciousness. So you see, everybody, how tricky it is to play with thought, right? As you think about that, it's become the content of the thought. Think about inheritance, think about the ancestor, think about all the traditions. The very thinking leads to the content, which gives the chance to be attached to. But if we practice, like, be aware of thoughts, try not to be attached to it, the non-attachment is the mental action we take. But if we begin to drill down what is non-attachment, then that very drilling down is again the content of the thoughts. So, you know, it is very tricky to, to, to convey this stuff to people in a way that because the language, the language is very limited. And uh, it is very um, essential for everyone to be subtle enough, subtle in a quiet way, in a thin way, to differentiate the content and the mental actions. As, a, as, long as, as, long, as long as one begins to think, there's a chance to be attached to the content of thoughts. So to be aware of that and to be non-attached to it is the mental actions helps one to be into thoughts. From help, help, help one from being into the thoughts. So this part is entangled in a way that we can't differentiate until you observe it yourself. Uh, and that's why thoughts are so tricky in life, right? Because the content of the thoughts always go hand in hand with the mental actions behind it. It's really up to you to be alert enough to prioritize mental actions over the thoughts, the content of thoughts. And the very action behind it is the wisdom, is the way to meditate. I think today, tonight, we have a very great discussion.
to try to clarify this issue. It's been tricky. Because every time we dis discuss it, I, I guess you may also have noticed, it is so easy to be into thoughts, into the content of it, forgetting the mental action behind it. And this subtlety really matters. Purity is a key to meditation. Loving kindness and compassion, would you define that as a mental action as well? Actually, they are the same, to be honest. In my opinion, it, they are the same. Loving kindness and the compassion, actually it's the same, but uh, in practice, people tend to think love kindness is something people can practice. But actually, no matter what we say about loving kindness or compassion, it's beyond the thoughts. Only when it's really found all kinds of reactions to the content of thoughts, which means that when it's really free from thoughts, work out of thoughts. It doesn't mean that one has no thoughts. I mean, one is only free from the inferences of thoughts, free from the reaction to the thoughts. There's compassion. If you have thoughts which you are attached to, you have a like, you have a dislike. Sorry, there's no compassion at all. And uh, you can be kind. You can pretend to be kind in this way, of course. But that's not the true kindness, right? Only when we are not in thoughts, we care about any. We care. We care about none of the interests. Then there's compassion, because you are in conflict with nobody. because you are not divided by thoughts. You are the totality, and you embrace everything. Then that's the compassion. That's the love, loving kindness. So it means that still coming to this tricking point, be aware of the mental actions, non-attachment to the thoughts. Then one can be free from thoughts, from all kinds of reactions, which, is, which we can also call empathy in the consciousness. That's the way to empathy, right? But it's very subtle, is it? When people try to go to a monk, or go to a temple, be, become a monk. That's only one very extreme form. But for most people, 
even in that way. I mean, even, even living as a monk, I don't think it's easy to implement the consciousness unless one develops this subtlety to understand this part. It means that you don't have to be a monk. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can live as you are. It makes it makes living much simpler because you don't have to devise and rearrange your plans for the future all the time. I don't know. Maybe there are some other challenges to be a monk. Uh, they have their life challenges. That's when we life, right? <laughs> so sometimes we can, it's easy for us to imagine. Oh, how wonderful that life can be. I mean, like, yeah, maybe it's easier to live a life as a monk. It might be an illusion. Because it's now we still fall back on the content of thoughts. Right? And we begin to react to it. Mm, yeah, I'm so envious about that life. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I mean. Um, if you uh, want to become a monk, you make uh, yeah, elaborate plans for the future. While if you decide, yeah, if you don't have the urge to become a monk, life is much easier, much simpler. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So I think... This is meditation, right? To look at the thoughts. To understand the difference between the mental actions and the content of thoughts. And then you may find it so easy, right? To be drawn into the content of thoughts when we start a conversation. Think about the influences from people around you, from the culture, how strong it can be. But don't focus on the content a bit. Come back to this present. Always focus on mental actions. As you go, as as you become more and more subtle, also more peaceful at the same time. This observance is becoming very sharp. Very very sharp. You don't need to change your life, but you change how the mind works. That's the 
content of today's session. Actually, it's based on the suggestion from Anna. And I just put it into it, and we can just have a more open discussion today. It was a very nice discussion. Uh, uh, thank you all. Thanks so much. Thank you very much to everybody. I also uh, like uh, your sharing on mental actions. I love, also love, like that part. I think thank you for everybody, like Anna, Bob, and Joyce, for, for your questions, which has forced me to react to your questions. Then we could find a, such a, um, an, you know, a description of that. You see, it's not from my mouth. It's from, not from my mind. It's from our interaction today to, to further clarify this issue. So there's no copyright at all. It's belong to the mind, not your mind, not my mind. It's belong to the mind. Great. I think it's time to call it a day. And um, before we finish today's a little long session. I still invite you to sit down with me for another, another, for another three minutes to keep silent, to empty the mind so we can live here tonight with peace and calm.
Great. That's all for today's session. And uh, thank you for everybody being here tonight, joining this discussion via Webby and YouTube. And all the best for everybody. Hope everybody stay peace and joyful, and enjoy the good days and the good weather. And hopefully, see you guys again in the future sessions to look at the mind together from other perspectives. Anna, Joyce, and Siko, thank you very much. Uh, I wish you a wonderful week ahead and see you probably next week. Thanks. You too. Bye bye, everybody.